Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 20th of September 2012. Newcomers, as always, help yourself to the free audio downloads at cuttingthroughthematrix.com and you'll start to understand the real system you're born into and is a real, real complex system. Uh, lots of organizations at the top, but all combined under a head, of course, that guides all of them into their world plans. And that includes all of you too, what they're going to do with you and what they have been doing with you. So help yourself to the audios, there's over a thousand for download. And remember too, you can get transcripts for print up as well of a lot of the talks I've given on all the sites listed at cuttingthroughmedias.com. And if you go on to Alan Watts, Sentient Sentinel.eu get transcripts in other languages. Remember too, you are the audience that bring me to you. I don't bring on advertisers as guests, and many of them are entertaining, I must admit. I've been listening to Patriot Radio for years, and, uh, and then they sell you things at the end, which of course, uh, that's their business. So I don't do that. I just come out with the facts as they are, and hope that the people have enough sense to, to keep me going, and uh, just trickle along uh, by donations and buying books and discs at cuttingthroughmatrix.com. From the U.S. to Canada, remember, you can use personal checks. You can send international postal money orders. You can send cash. And you can use PayPal to order the books and discs or donates. Across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal once again. And you can certainly donate because it usually is hard times, very, very hard times. for If you're not being on advertising and pushing advertising and products, uh, which make you sit very pretty if you were, um, then uh, you, you really have to do it the hard way. And this is a suicidal way, which I knew when I started. But here I am still going along, just about. Now, the system you're born into uh, is augmented. Not, it comes from your parents initially, but it's augmented by schooling. Schooling is very important because you, there's techniques used in school that you don't even know is being used upon you. And every age group is a special technique used upon them. It's so precise and fine to make sure once that takes on you, it's like an injection, it takes, that's what they call it, taking on you when it works. Then you're primed for subsequent propaganda later on in life to take as well. And without basic education, it wouldn't happen. You'd be more wild, in other words, natural, and the natural part would be more suspicious when things don't make sense to you. You wouldn't simply comply and agree because everyone else does. It's a very, very simple technique. We are way beyond lab rats, you understand. Uh, laboratory rats are being experimented upon. Uh, human beings being experimented upon a long, long, long time ago. So whatever they do to you is, is, has been perfected. And Lord Bretton Russell talked about this, these techniques a long, long time ago and how they were so effective even when he was experimenting on schools that he had permission to set up in Britain where he'd go uh, into advanced kind of studies on the children, including promoting intergenerational sex before you were even into puberty, which is all the rage now, of course. And he ended up in the 1920s when he started. So they did it all, they knew what it did. Those folk will never bond for life and they won't have children. That's really a part of the objective. Plus government will be the total uh, almighty, 
no gods, no family that stand in his way, and he can do what he wants. You see, that's what's already happened. That's where we are today. Very old, old system. Most folk don't know it. They get all shocked and they get caught up by today's scary news. But as I say to you, all the news is given out by those at the top to get you all scared. Because you've been trained. You, you don't have democracy. You've been trained that you're in a, an authoritarian society. And I've gone through the actual articles from the Club of Rome who came out with this. It's the biggest think tank and policymakers for the United Nations. And they actually said that in the 1970s that democracy would never work. Too many competing parties and conflicting parties. So therefore, and too many groups wanting things. Therefore, they had to go ahead with authoritarian type systems and structures. Welcome folks, it's called the New World Order. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm back. We're cutting through the matrix. And the world is very, very deceptive because different terms are used that are determined not to, so that you won't catch on to what they're actually on about. Very innocuous sounding and harmless sounding names sometimes, or even positive sounding names. That's even better. But eugenics has always been eugenics, although it's bioethics now, but also goes into different areas, such as life sciences, which is about death sciences, is about killing people off and depopulating. And they recruit universities through life science studies, and all the professors are strategically placed, because, you see, all these big universities get grants from the same foundations, generally the Rockefeller Foundation, to do with uh, recruitment for more little fanatics, or fanatics by the time they've left, and they start up to and teach and, and implement and even work with government, implement policies for population reduction in ways which the public are completely ignorant of because uh, they can't tell you what they're doing or else you'd have to get rope, lots of rope, and go and hang them. Understand, if folk are going to kill you or are in the process of killing you and doing nasty things to you, what uh, alternative do you have? It's beyond the negotiating point then, isn't it? We're beyond it. And that's really how the world is run. I've mentioned so many times when big organizations have world or world meetings and they, they're, in, they're in there talking about culling off and depopulating, they really are up to business, big business, and they mean business and they don't sit in our hands and say, well, maybe one day we can get what we want and the people will go along with us. That's not how reality works. And farming is the same thing. Farmers don't keep excess, excess stock around when there's a surplus. They kill them off. And we are technically farmed, you see. Now, I've mentioned before the big agenda was to bring a new type of world order in by the supreme beings, you know, the ones who rule the world, the ones who, who, who have long genealogies and lots of cash and very powerful families intermarry, and how they set up the big structure to take over the whole planet and all of its resources, and then they would dish it out and, and sell it to the animals down below, which is us, of course. That's energy, of course, and water, food, everything that you need for survival, and they call sustainability. And this has been going on, and as I say, taught in universities, and most folk never catch on to it, what they're really up to. Why do you think they, they bring in massive classes and they push certain programs that become awfully popular? What, what do you think they're all meant to do? They don't go afterwards and become little 
roadside artists scribbling their little paintings or something. They actually got into policy-making uh, uh, structures working for governments. And most, most governments now are run primarily by the private sector. And I've gone into the big organization, the Royal Institute for International Affairs, that set up this whole structure worldwide a long, long time ago. You've been living through their system, including uh, the cultural changes and shifts, everything, all came from them. They know exactly how it would take to destroy a particular culture with the strong points that it has and how to, d- to dissolve that structure, how exactly how long it will take, how many generations, and they also know the techniques to use on them. Always going at the young, you see. Always going towards the young. And it works very, very well. Now, there's a character who's called Richard Cardullo. One of many of these guys, but he's a professor of biology at the UC Riverside. And it says, um, a professor of biology, and it says uh, he's been selected as a vision and change leadership fellow. Well, you, you don't care about that. It says vision change, which from his vision, by the Partnership for Undergraduate Life Science Education, PULSE program, it's called P-U-L-S-E. A joint initiative of the National Science Foundation and the, and the Howard Hughes Medical Institute and the National Institutes of Health. By the way, he's also backed by the Rockefeller Foundation. He's one of 40 Vision and Change Leadership Fellows selected by Pulse. They're tasked with identifying and considering how to eliminate barriers to the systemic changes needed to improve undergraduate life sciences education. In other words, how to make more fanatics to do with depopulation and bioethics, which is a new term for eugenics, you see. So I'll put that up tonight and you can go through it. But, but here's what Mr. This, this particular professor is up to as well. So during a speech earlier this year given by University of California Riverside Professor Richard Cardillo, the cottonseed derivative called Gossipol is being proposed as an adequate sterilant to bring down the birth rate, birth rate in the United States. Now this is old stuff, although this is a recent article. Because he said I've been using it on you for years and you don't know it. Anyway, he's, he's stating that the substance permanent, permanent sterilization effects on males is already being considered for widespread use in China. Now, he's a liar because, you see, China has already used it years ago. It's not being considered. It's been used years ago, so much so that the Chinese are petrified to eat eggs because, you see, the biggest thing they put into the chicken feed is a cotton seed where they get this, this glossy pulp from. And it worked. And the Chinese found out about it years ago. Anyway, it says, in addition to gossip, Paul, the professor advised attending students to lower their standards of living if the earth is to continue carrying humans on its surface. I wonder what he's into himself. And, you know, does he have children or does he not like children or maybe is it a gender thing? Who knows? Interesting to note that the professor has recently been selected by the National Science Foundation. The National Science Foundation the Howard Hughes Medical Institute and National Institutes of Health to join the Partnership for Undergraduate Life Sciences Education Pulse, funded by the federal government. So the federal government's in the business of funding all this to turn out more of these guys that want to sterilize all the guys. As it's not bad enough already, you see, it's not hitting everybody fast enough. Young men now are going to sterile about 30. They want to bring it down to, to your teens. 
with bisphenol A and all the rest of it working. As part of the university's online science lecture series recorded on the campus earlier this year, the professor's lecture is Earth Overpopulated. It's a classic neo-Malthusian regurgitation claiming the planet carry much more people. If you want to minimize environmental impact, perhaps you should consider lowering your standard of living, for instance. Cardolo also told people uh, could reduce human impact on the earth by becoming vegetarians, the same old mantras, you see. Now that he's in, obviously, with the same... You understand, this, this agenda was set up about 50, 60, 70 years ago. Vegetarianism sterilized the public, all the rest of it. Starting years ago, that, all this stuff that he's regurgitating here. And... He says, one of the things we know is the production of meat is incredibly expensive. He says, you're going to start hearing more and more about human carbon footprints. And one of the biggest contributions to the carbon footprint is the production of meat. We could do a lot simply by just becoming more vegetarian. Of course, he and all the big boys at the top get special meat, and it's not full of the rubbish that they feed the cattle for the ordinary people. They're actually grass-fed and stuff like that. Little professor tells his listening audience to lower the standards of living to minimize uh, human impact on the earth. He stresses that this in itself isn't sufficient to lower fertility in the U.S. Also, the professor continues, famine, disease, war, and so on do not have the ability to effectively cull the human population. Remember what Bertrand Russell says, Lord Bertrand Russell? Same thing. He says war and famine, disease isn't bringing it down fast enough. He says we need another uh, black death, he says. And why do you think they're working in all these big war laboratories with, with viruses and bacteria? You think that's also to do with one day they'll have to use it on somebody else over there? It's always over there. It's using you folks. And you don't even know it. Look at how the human body, the physiology is changing over the last 20 years. It hasn't happened by itself. Look around you. He says, we've got to do something about population as well. The U.S., he says, we're very affluent. We, I don't, well, he probably is getting all the grants that he's getting. We currently have a population of 313 million people. Altogether, we gain one person every 15 seconds. If we want to take the population down to 150 million, all it would require in the next 100 years is to lower the birth rate because we're not going to do it through any other method. Is a question mark right? Of course, there do other methods. It's, anyway... If we want to decrease the population, we could do it in a number of different ways. He then goes on to points out at the screen in which are depicted several disease-spreading insects. Now, I've gone on and on about insects being used for warfare purposes uh, many times. And go in the archives at cuttingthroughmidges.com. Canada is a leader, by the way. We breed the, the most types of insects and the biggest mosquitoes. Um, we breed them specially for warfare purposes and have done since, in, since before World War II. For those who didn't know that, Canada leads the field in vector-spreading diseases. I can remember reading of Deadly Allies, Canada's secret war, and it's worthwhile looking into from the history from during World War II onwards and how we led the fields in the creation of new types of viruses and bacterium. And even it's even thought that many of the common diseases of today were came out of Canada through testing on animals. And they were actually... Um, spreading ticks carrying different viruses and bacterium on deer herds, etc., etc., and people, obviously. Anyway, it says these are all what's called vectors, carriers of disease, which we are familiar with. 
horrible things. He says, I'm going to show you things that affects populations more than anything else. It's those states the professor, as he points to an image of sperm. Many scientists want to know, are there ways, uh, uh, are there new ways that we can control populations or fertility rates by targeting specific cells, sperm or eggs, so that individuals can make the decision to keep those rates low. Now, folks, they're not giving you the rights for the decision. The decisions have already been taken because this stuff's already in your food. Even the stuff here that I began the talk off with. And all those uh, factory-raised chickens, that, that's a prime ingredient in all their feed is cotton seed, for those who haven't known about it. It's a bit later on, on the speech. Now, why do you think the UN keeps telling you the sperm counts dropping in the West? For the last 50 years, we've been telling you this. And a bit later on in the speech, the professor eyes cotton derivative gossipol, which is science have learned cause sterility in males by targeting sperm. Citing Chinese and American research on gossipol, Cardillo mentions that gossipol has the potential of killing humans, the potential of killing you, not just sterilizing you, causing not just temporary but permanent sterility in males for those that survive. Ultimately, the World Health Organization argued against it. That's because too many folk know what it's for. That's the only reason the WHO, because they're not in the business of saving you, they're in the business of killing you in this Orwellian world. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix, talking about an article that's about life sciences, which is death sciences for those who are recruited, because they end up being bioethicists, as they call it. Meaning, is it ethical to kill this many or that many, or is it ethical to not tell them? And this is what they discuss, finding ways to lie to the general public. After all, the general public are really children, and they're taught all this stuff in these courses, you know. Anyway, it says... Um, the World Health Organization argued against it. But interestingly enough, there are countries in the world such as China, Nigeria, Brazil, using it as a permanent method for controlling fertility in males, which is an option. I remember quite a, oh, about a year ago I mentioned about the Chinese were spinning eggs uh, when they bought eggs because they found out that, that the ones that had been altered with all this gossipol and feed uh, spun in a different way. And they were petrified because so many of them were sterilized with it years ago. And he's just lying, a professor saying they're, they're thinking about using it. And said, no, whatever, they're, they're born liars, remember, because they see the public are, as children. They're taught that the public are children. You have to do these nasty things, but don't tell the children. So you lie to them. The noble lie, they call it, you know. Anyway, the permanent sterility effects of gossip were discovered back in the 1970s and were picked up by the main financial contributor of anti-fertility drugs in the 20th century, which happens to be the Rockefeller Foundation. The foundation, it seems, investigate Gossipol's anti-fertility effect as well as the possibility for using the substance for widespread use. The 1985 Foundation's annual report, I'll put the link up tonight too, underlined its ongoing dedication towards finding good use for Gossipol, which is sterilization. Actually, they came out too with what they called, I think it was Rockefeller Foundation, funded uh, a method of genetic engineering of, of particular rice. It's called golden rice. And I think they used something from the other genes to, to sterilize them and put it in that as well. There was articles on that years ago. They didn't tell the people, of course. 
Susan, did gossipol, a toxic polyphenol derived from the cotton plant, was identified early in the foundation of the search as an effective sterilant? The question was how to implement or integrate the toxic substance into crops. Another long-term interest of the foundation has been gossipol, the compound that's been shown to have anti-fertility effects in men. By the end of 1985, the Rockefeller Foundation made grants totaling approximately $1.6 million in an effort to support and stimulate scientific investigations on the safety and efficacy of gossipol. In the 1986 Rockefeller Foundation annual report, the organization admits funding research into the use of fertility-reducing compounds in relation to food for widespread use. Widespread use. Male contraceptive studies are focused on gossipol, natural substance extracted from the cotton plant, identified by Chinese researchers having anti-fertility effects on men. Before widespread use can be recommended, further investigation is needed to see if lowering the dosage can eliminate undesirable side effects like death and stuff without reducing its effectiveness as a contraceptive. The foundation supported research on gossipol safety, reversibility and efficacy in seven different uh, 1986 grants. It seems that the funded scientists have indeed found a way of lowering the dosage of gossipol, circumventing the toxicity of the substance so as to suppress or even eliminate these undesirable side effects, which include low blood potassium levels, fatigue, muscle weakness, and even paralysis. You understand what they're doing to the public? This stuff comes out all the time in different parts of the world. It's always a mystery. Oh, sudden paralysis comes down here. and Oh, no, you know. If these effects could be eliminated without reducing the anti-fertility effects, the foundation figured it would be highly effective and most undetectable sterilant. Although overtly research into and development of gossipol's anti-fertility compound was abandoned in the late 1990s, that's what they tell you, the cotton seed containing the substance was especially selected for mass distribution in the beginning of the current decade. Around 2006, a media campaign was launched saying the cotton seed could help defeat hunger and poverty. See how they sell it to you? Oh, to defeat hunger and poverty. And it's true, if you're not born, you won't be hunger and you won't be poor. You understand the logic they use? Is it mockers all? This is in 2006, Nature News reported that RNA interference uh, was the way to go. On the one hand, it would cut the gossipol content in cotton seeds by 98%. While leaving the chemical defences of the rest of the plant intact. Furthermore, the article quoted Dr. Deborah P. Delmer, the Rockefeller Foundation's Associate Director of Food, they call it food security by the way, <laughs> who was quick to bury any, any concern. She says, Deborah Delmer, Associate Director of the Rockefeller Foundation, New York City, an expert in agricultural food safety, <laughs> food safety is a poison you points out that a benefit of using RNAi, RNA1 or I technology is that it turns off a gene process rather than switching on a novel function. So they're entirely switching on and off your genes, you see. Epigenetics, they call it. So instead of introducing a new foreign protein, you're just shutting down one process, Delmer says. In that sense, I think that the safety concern should be far less than the other GM technologies. Understand, they're switching off things in your brain, folks. They can do this with anything, including your intellectual areas as well. Of course, they wouldn't do that, would they? And in a 2006 National Geographic article called Toxin-Free Cotton Seed Engineered Could Feed Millions, study says. It's all to do with feeding people. 
course the director of the Laboratory for Crop Transformation, Texas A&M University, Kirti Singh Rathor Singh. A gossipal free cotton seed would significantly contribute to human nutrition and health, particularly in developing countries, and help meet the requirements of the predicted 50% increase in the world population in the next 50 years. Rathor's study states the article represents the first substantiated case where gossipol was reduced via genetic engineering that targets the genes that make the toxin. Then goes on to say, I bring into recollection a statement made by Rockefeller Foundation in 1986 annual report, which reads, Before widespread use can be recommended, further investigation is needed to see if lowering the dosage can eliminate undesirable side effects without reducing its effectiveness as a contraceptive. Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks, and back. We're cutting through the matrix and going over an article concerning the Rockefeller Foundation, universities, life science, which is death science, bioethics, to do with sterilizing the public. And it says, in the 1997 Foundation Report, Rathor, this other one, is mentioned on page 6 to 8. A postdoctoral fellowship grant was given to a certain E. Chandra Kanth for advanced study in plant molecular biology under the direction of Kirtai S. Rathor, Laboratory for Crop Transformation, Texas A&M University, College Station, Texas. Compromising connections, in other words, for someone who claimed academic objectivity in regards to gossipol and its sterilizing effects. Rathor explained the workings of RNAi in a 2006 issue of the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. I'll give you that link tonight too. Also says cottonseed toxicity due to gossipol as a long-standing problem, Rathor said, and people have tried to fix it but haven't been able to through traditional plant breeding. My area of research is plant transgenics, so I thought about using some molecular approaches to address the problem. Rathor also mentioned the desired main funder of his work without actually saying the name. Sainz says this, We're trying to find some partners and we'll probably be looking at charitable foundations to help us out in terms of doing all kinds of testing that's required before a genetically engineered plant is approved for food or feed. We're in the very early stages and have lots of ideas in mind, but we need to pursue those. Hopefully we can find some sort of partnership that will allow us to do them. You're back to Rockefellers. He also expressed the final adaptation of the cottonseed for widespread use and as something of the long term. Right now there are many hurdles when you're dealing with a genetically modified plant, but I think in the next 15 or 20 years, a lot of these regulations that we have to satisfy will be eliminated or reduced substantially. And that's a fact. You see, they've eliminated all this stuff for for these priority uh, investigations into sterility. The foundation, as is evident from the statements of Rockefeller's own Deborah Delmer, has been more than interested. The scientific community we see now tells young students that using such sterilants are a viable option to reduce the U.S. population. Given the fact that the professor has been selected for large governments, organizations under the general guidance of Obama's science czar John P. Holdren, we must wonder if this option of using Gossipol as a sterilant in the U.S. may have been inspired by Holdren and Paul Ehrlich in their 1977 book called Ecoscience when they wrote this, adding a sterilant to drinking water or staple foods 
is a suggestion that seems to horrify people more than most proposals for involuntary fertility control. Indeed, this would pose some very difficult political, legal and social questions. Nothing to do with morality here. To say nothing of the technical problems. No such sterling exists today, which is a lie, nor does one appear to be under development. To be acceptable, such a substance would have to meet some rather stiff requirements. It must be uniformly effective, despite widely varying doses received by individuals, and despite varying degrees of fertility and sensitivity amongst individuals. It must be free of dangerous, unpleasant side effects, because that would bring attention to it, you see. And it must have no effect on members of the opposite sex, children, old people, pets, or livestock, it says. So I'll put this article up and um, you can see it for yourself. It won't matter to most folk. It's like when they, they live in fiction. They live in a fiction. They live, most folk live in a hypnotic state, you know, and they come in and out of that hypnotic state all their, their lives now. All children go through it. You'll see them watching TV, walk, talk, looking away, and just, their jaws are open and they're just staring when you're talking to them. That's a natural thing that a child does, actually, even without TV. But you see, adults are going through this in and out stage all the time now, if you haven't noticed. And that's why you can't remember what you're saying half the time or details of things. They've been trained that way. They're dumbed down. They've been under physical and mental attack. And I'm talking about little alterations in the brain itself. You are under total war. And you have been your whole lives. Total war. How are you, do you, do you think when you're under total war, you can negotiate against the ones that are doing this to you? It's past negotiation, folks. These guys have all the power in the world, and they're doing it. Of course, I can go back and you can vote somebody in, eh? And that will change all. Anyway, I'll put up these links tonight too. Another one too, to do with Richard Cardilla, is the earth overpopulated? And the article, too, about his, uh, his organization, his vision and change leadership, etc., and the partnership for undergraduate life sciences education where they train more fanatics who want to kill you. Remember I've said before, the big boy says they'd bring all academia on board. They knew that because, you see, professors just get the professorships and tenures. Since they're all living on grants by the big foundations that are the real parallel government, by the way, always have been the real government. Uh, then they, they place them there. We want you to take this guy in. We're giving you a grant here. And they, they strategically place their people in to, to, to the, the universities. And it goes on and on and on. And so that's only one method of sterilizing you. I've read so many articles over the years from the United Nations itself as they happily tell you how the, the, the male ster- sperm count is plummeting and has been since 50 years since they brought in the polio vaccine. And it's just a swell thing, apparently, because there's no comment. They just give you the statistics that most men, about 24, have, have non-functional sperm. And it's not functioning at all. And it's vastly reduced from, from men who, who were adults in the 1950s. Now, another one, article on Pop Tonight 2 is to do with, uh, uh, says Minister Kenny, stop the de- deportation of Iraq war resistor Kimberly Rivera, it's called. As a woman who signed on to the to the U.S. military, and they sent her off to Iraq. And uh, she says, uh, once I was stationed in Iraq, I realized I'd been lied to. I saw the true face of war, countless civilian casualties, and Iraqi children left devastated by loss and filled with fear. We were not bringing freedom to Iraq. We were bringing needless pain, suffering, and death. How could I look at my children in the eye and tell them to be good people when I was contributing to causing harm and death to innocent people on the other side of the world? 
As this became clear to me, my conscience would no longer let me participate in the war in Iraq. So she came to Canada with her family, and she applied for refugee status. And so I'll put this link up tonight for those who want to support her. And there's other ones in Canada, too, that just couldn't believe uh, that the reality of it all, as opposed to all the movies that they watched put out by the Pentagon, how much fun it all is, you know. Multicultural soup. As I've said before, you, you understand, and it's big organizations who are really forcing this uh, down your throats now. It's the only way they say at the top to, to manage the world herd. That's amongst themselves, that's how they, they talk about it, the world herd. They have no favorite people. In fact, all of you are inferior to them since they're superior ones at the top, you see. And uh, this multicultural soup says, top Bilderberger, individuality is obsolete in other words. So individuality has to be destroyed. The EU should do its best to undermine the homogeneity of its member states, the UN special rep for, for migration has said. Peter Sutherland told peers the future prosperity of many EU states depended on them becoming multicultural. He also suggested the UK government's immigration policy had no basis in international law. He was being quizzed by the Lord's EU Home Affairs Subcommittee, which is investigating global migration. See, for every area of all the things that are going on, there's a big organization, big foundations behind it. This is Mr. Sutherland, who is non-executive chairman of Goldman Sachs International and a former chairman of the old giant BP, heads the Global Forum on Migration and Development, which brings together reps of 160 nations to share policy ideas. He told the House of Lords Committee that migration was a crucial dynamic for economic growth, he says, in some EU nations. However, difficult it may be to explain this to the citizens of those states who end up having to finance them all and put them on welfare and they lose their jobs to them. An aging or declining native population in countries like Germany or southern EU states was the key argument, and I hesitate to use the word, because people have attacked it for the development of multicultural states. He added, well, they're all getting sterilized in first world countries. And they keep saying, well, we need more immigrants in because there's no children getting born. I mean, most of them go up the chimney and smoke, you know, way beyond Adolf Hitler. And, um, and that's the modern way, we, and we've been taught that that's quite normal. So they're bringing in all the foreigners who have large families who to pay off the national debt. That's what they say. No kidding. But of course, it's, it's beyond that. It's destroyed the culture that was at home to start with. It says it's impossible to consider the degrees of homogeneity which is implied by the other argument and can survive because states have to become more open states in terms of the people who inhabit them, just as the United Kingdom has demonstrated Britain sinking with welfare. Yeah, the UN Special Rep on Migration was also quizzed about the, what they should do about evidence from the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, OECD, that employment rates amongst migrants were higher in the US and Australia than EU countries. He told the Committee of the United States of Australia and New Zealand are migrant societies and therefore they accommodate more readily those from other backgrounds than we do ourselves who still nurse a sense of her homogeneity and a difference from others. This is how they speak back to you. you know. And that's precisely what the European Union, in my view, should be doing best to undermine. Mr. Sutherland recently argued in a lecture to the London School of Economics, another big branch of the world government, of which he is chairman, that there was a shift from states selecting migrants to migrants selecting states. That They've had that for 40 years, because Britain's been publishing it for 40 years. It's called welfare shopping. That's what they do. And the EU's ability to compete at a global level was at risk. Well, you can't compete with the Chinese, because they get paid peanuts, and they're locked up in their factories, 
and uh, we're getting we've had the same stagnant wages for about 25, 30 years now in the West. An evidence to the Lords Committee urged EU member states to work together more closely on migration policy and advocate a global approach to the issue, criticising the UK government's attempt to cut net migration from its current level to tens of thousands a year through visa restrictions. Uh, British higher education chiefs want non-EU overseas students to be exempted from migration statistics and say visa restrictions brought in to help the government meet its target will damage Britain's economic competitiveness. So you've got to keep bringing them to be competitive. It's all the lies that they give you. And actually that the student scam is just that, the foreign student scam, because they all, they all end up, they only come in to get in and to stay in Britain. But Immigration Minister uh, Damien Green has said exempting foreign students would amount to fiddling the figures and the current method of accounting was approved by the United Nations. (laughs) So I'll put this link up tonight too for those who who know the big score of what's going on, what's happening. And it says Mr. Sutherland, who has attended meetings of the Bilderberg Group, a top-level international networking organization, often criticized for its alleged secrecy. Well, it is secret call on EU states to stop treating, targeting highly skilled migrants, arguing that, that at the most basic levels, individuals should have freedom of choice about whether to come and study or work in another country. Sutherland also briefed the peers on plans for the Global Migration Development Forum's next annual conference in Mauritius in November, adding the UK has been very constructively engaged in this whole process from the beginning and very supportive of me personally. Anyway, it's all hogwash, but the fact is, you see, multiculturalism is a destroy as he says, homogeneity, the people who are already there of that particular country or any other country. There's even special interest groups in Sweden, I noticed one, and a woman was talking about it, saying that we will be in the vanguard for promoting multiculturalism for Europe. And she was a Jewish woman. She said it she was actually bringing a lot of anti-Semitic uh, um, callings towards her, her organization. She says, but we, they, they were selected to promote it. That didn't explain why, or why she's even doing it. But this big group's been chosen to do these particular things, you see. Because a lot of them will tell you, if everyone's the same, the same herd, then there'd be no wars, which is nonsense, because governments are always in war with their own people. Like the article I first read at the beginning of the broadcast. The UN House uh, Scotland, it's called House Scotland to open in Edinburgh. The infection has spread to Edinburgh with its own United Nations building. New centre, which aims to become the voice of the United Nations in Scotland, set to open in Edinburgh. And it will bring together a- agencies raising awareness of the UN's working on sterilising folk and stuff on issues including child welfare, women's rights and climate change. Awfully interesting stuff, climate change. Eh? As, as they make the weather. This is old stuff. They're making the weather, folks. Yeah. And studying in Britain is one big immigration scam, it says. Um, the, a London college has been accused of helping to cheat the immigration system. This is um, incredible news that London College ranked as a highly trusted by the UK border agency. It's accused of helping foreign students cheat the immigration system. Sky News reported the investigation discovered that diploma certificates and dissertations were for sale inside a London college also revealed that some of the 159,000 people are thought to be in Britain despite their student visas having expired, and that just 2,700 students have been removed since 2009. So they all come in, and most of them stay. It's old stuff. It's all promoted. and It's not by accident. It's not because of oversight or lack of oversight. It's, it's this agenda. The world works like this. That's how it's all planned. 
You know, if government wants to stop anything at all, it would be instantaneous. So why doesn't? But you're, you're taught that oh, they're always bungling and bureaucrats are slow. Yeah. Now, if you look at the different areas of basically life sciences and neuroscience, neuroscience. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the talk to that particular professor who wants to sterilize everybody, you know, all, all the lesser types, that is. Uh, what they're into is brain areas, mainly related to emotion, memory as well, but emotion, because they want to dumb you down and, and so on and make you happy. Emotions are thought to be related to activity in the brain areas that direct our attention, motivate our behavior, and determine the significance of what's going on around us. Remember I mentioned the other day about being a wild man, as Charles Galton Darwin said, the leaders of the world must be. They mustn't be dumbed down or, or damaged by hormones, etc., that he wanted to put into everything, water, injections, food. And it's happened. Uh, but uh, this is pioneering, pioneering the work by Paul Broca, uh, from 1878. Huh. You think it's a new thing? And James Pappas, 1937, and Paul D. McLean, 1952, suggested that emotions relate to a group of structures in the center of the brain called the limbic system, which includes the hypothalamus, cingulate, uh, cortex, hippocampi, and other structures. Research has shown that limbic structures are directly related to emotion, but non-limbic structures have been found to be of greater emotional relevance. The following brain structures are currently thought to be involved in emotion. Now, it goes in through the amygdala and the temporal uh, poles and so on, and hippocampi uh, and uh, so on. You understand, this is what neuroscience, this big, big science, which is part of bioethics or, or eugenics, you see, is to make a population feel happy regardless of your circumstances. And you'll be awfully easily managed. It wouldn't matter if you're living in a pigsty and you're even eating what a pig's eating or whatever else. You'll be happy. Like Freud says, happiness is the goal. doesn't matter what caused you to be ill. Just make them happy through pills and stuff. And you can do that too by switching on, again, epigenetics parts of the brain or switching them off, you see. It's all being done, folks. Neuroscience, sterilization, everything, on a massive scale. Massive scale. Look around you. Are you going to negotiate with these folks that do things without telling you? Are they negotiating with you? You've got big problems, big decisions. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back, we're cutting through the matrix and we'll go to the caller, uh, she's been waiting, Kelly from Edmondson, are you there Kelly? Yes I am Alan, thank you for taking my call. Yes. Yes, um, uh, it's, a, it's like a real crazy world out there, it's, uh, sometimes I struggle to keep my sanity. Um, I uh, wanted to, you touched on so many things tonight which are very pertinent to, to now. And I myself can feel the effects, which I try to, as much as I can, minimize with food and uh, the chemicals. But I am, you know, in Edmonton, they've been spraying so heavy these days, and it's absolutely crazy, um, the, the fatigue and, of course, the resulting symptoms from that. 
I am concerned about the nanotechnology that is a part of chemtrails. And here in Edmonton, we have a great, at the university here, a huge uh, nanotech lab. And I know that you were speaking about um, the brain and how they can affect the brain. So no matter what environment you're in, you're dumbed down enough so that you can handle it. Oh, just take a pill or, you know, go along with the flow. Um, I was wondering, these uh, uh, nanotechnology, is there anything that we can do to protect ourselves from it, like anything that might minimize it? I mean, I do as much as I can, but it's very hard in this world when it's insane. And most of the people I know think I'm crazy, <laughs> so yes. I don't try and wake them up. I, I've listened to your well, advice. To, to be honest with you, the spring, uh, so many countries across the world have been now since 1998 regularly. And I read an article uh, some years ago to do with these strange big domes that were suddenly put up in Japan. It was in the mainstream media. And then Germany came out and said they've got them too. Britain, other countries. Big domes where guys go in like scientists, but actually they're horticulturalists, and they grow all the vegetables inside the domes. The waters come from drilled wells, very deep. And in other words, they're not taking the stuff from the air, from the trails. That's why they put these things up. And this is what the elite are feeding on right now. They have the best food. They always do things in advance to save themselves, you understand. Right. The rest of us, even the ones who think they're eating normal food, which they now call organic food, and instead of the GM food or GE food, uh, that they're getting soaked with this stuff coming down. And I, where I live here too, there's almost an eradication of all small birds has been for the last six years, I'd say. Uh, they're all getting killed off. It's been noticed elsewhere too by their people who still have a brain function, as you can see it. They're, they're very small birds. There's almost a complete absence of. They're dying like crazy in the country. And uh, so they die first. Even the moles and the voles were coming out the ground and to the surface and dying in record numbers. Even where I am here, I've seen them. The, the ground is so toxic, peach toxic. Younger trees are dying off more than the older trees because their roots are shallow. And so they've got the, the highest concentration in, towards the surface, one or two feet of, uh, of the aluminum oxide that they're spraying down and uh, the cadmium and the other heavy metals. So they're dying off first. The older ones with deep roots are surviving a bit longer. But I can see trees all through the forest is dying off, young ones. This is affecting us too. Uh, you can go into any pharmacy, look at the massive selection for allergies and so on now. It's skyrocketing, and it has been for years because we are breathing this stuff in. Everyone's got congestion, lung problems, nasal problems. They know all this at the top. And in Canada, all our medical records go through the central database to Ottawa. So they've been watching this since they began, and they know exactly what it's doing to us. We're the test bed for the rest of the world with new different chemicals. And, of course, we were the test bed for the, for the food for 10 years before it was admitted that we were the guinea pigs for the GE food in Canada. We are disposable in Canada. Now, that's the sad truth about it. You need a greenhouse and grow your own stuff inside of it. It's got to be pollution-free from this stuff coming down. I could go on lots more about the end of this show. Thanks for calling. From Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>